0: You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty. And honestly, my, my guest is already on here. I forgot to, you know, switch the screen over, so it was just me. But uh, we've got our guest on here, guys. His name is which way am I pointing? This way. Joel freaking Kaplan. Joel. Welcome back to season two of Think Different Theory. I gotta say, before hold on, before you say anything, before you come Bro, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you talk. Listen, dude, you are our number two most downloaded episode of Season one behind Brad Gibb and you I, I'll just I'll I'll let you tell the audience how much that irks you.
1: Brad Gibbs, I've got four words for you.
0: I'm coming for you. <laughs> Guys, welcome back to the show. Think different theories. Uh one of their our most entertaining guests, Joel Kaplan. Joe thank or Joel, thanks so much for coming uh, back on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Honestly, you're an absolute legend. And uh I'm just so grateful to be here. And I'm pumped right now. I don't know how you're feeling after seeing Tony Robbins at Funnel Hacking Live. But like, I'm just trying to get into peak state all day, every day, all day, every day.
0: Dude, he's insane. Like I've, so I've never sat through like a full Tony Robbins speech before. And it was on my birthday, by the way. So it's literally my birthday. I'm sitting there. I'm like six throws into it. And he comes out and like, you could feel the energy in that room
1: shift when he walks into that room. It was insane. Yeah, and I don't know if you picked up on this. There was one moment. It was my biggest takeaway of the whole entire uh, talk when he, uh, he ran through his affirmation out loud. Hmm. and I don't, I don't know if you picked up on that, but he has a personal affirmation that he goes through and he shared it with the audience. He, he just shared it out loud. And the amount of energy that took over his body and his yeah. spirit was insane. So what did I do? I walked out and I went and sat down and wrote my affirmation. I love it. Dude,
0: you're an action taker of all action takers, dude. Like you're the type of dude that's like, you're sitting there on stage and Russell will say something or Tony will say something or whatever. And like right there, you're like,
1: let's apply right now. I was like, That's it, that's my golden nugget, let's go.
0: That's awesome, bro. Uh, f- second year of Funnel Hacking Live? Third year? How-, how many years have you been going? Second. Second, second. year. Second year. To- was Tony there last year? No no. No, no. no. He was there two years ago at- in Orlando, but he wasn't. Who was the keynote last year? I wasn't there. Do you remember? Was it Garrett White?
1: Probably it was probably Garrett White. I don't know, man. To be honest, I'm so bad. Like, I'm such a bad student. And I feel like this just reflects my entire childhood. I went. And I network 90% of the time. Yeah.
0: Well, and honestly, dude, that's what you thats what you go there for. I mean, I was there. Or I had some friends on stage. So I had um, uh, Marley Bear or Marley Jackson. I'm sorry. Marley Jackson was a friend of mine. Dan Henry and uh, Catherine Jones were all on stage. So obviously I had to be there for their speeches and and cheer them on. But uh, other than that, I was like, I watched Tom Billu, I watched Ryan Holiday. And every, every all the other time, I was just networking. I feel like people, they go to conferences, dude, and
1: they try to consume too much information. <laughs> Honestly, like with Tony, the biggest takeaways were get into peak state, feel really excited, be someone that's at a level 10. Mm. And I don't know if you like remember he went around and asked yeah. people, oh, what level are you at? And everyone was like, six, seven. I said, I think six. He was like, yeah. no one wants to date a six. No one everyone wants to date, to date six. a 10. I was like, I'm going to hype myself up and get to a 10. And then I heard his affirmation. And I was like, I'm going to take action on that, write the affirmation. And besides that, I left. Like, which yeah. is I got some shit on from my friends. They were like, dude, why'd you leave Tony? I was like, I got what I needed. Yeah. But uh it was the same thing with all the speakers. Like, once I have the one thing, if I try to consume way too much, there's just no way I'm going to implement it. Yeah. And it's just going to create information overload. And yeah. It's gonna give my brain a false sense of progress and a false sense of momentum. When in reality I just need to take that one step forward. Yeah. So
0: I like that a lot too, dude. The the false sense of uh the false sense of progress. Cause I feel like that's the problem is people, they go to these events, they get super, super hyped up. And I mean, we all do it. And then like you just said, we hit this, this state of like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then like you come home and it's like, Woof, and because your brain has not learned to like balance and figure things out like that, it's, it's really, really difficult. So
1: I like that a lot. And at the end of the day, like for me, Funnel Hacking Live is just a big, big old party with all my good friends. Yeah. So it's like, part of me was like, you know what, I'm just going to be happy and enjoy this and uh, treat it like a personal development wedding where it's like you have yeah. all the people that you care about all there, but you're also growing as an individual. Yeah. So I wasn't as like harsh on myself if I missed a speaker. Like yeah, yeah. I, I really wanted to see Prince EA. I missed out on him and I was like, you know what, that's okay. Cause I still got to connect with some people that I care a lot about. And at the end of the day, if that's not what this is all about, then I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, 100%. And I agree with that for sure. Um, I know Steve posted something about like, oh, you paid for this. I'm fr- front row. And front, I was like,
0: fuck. Fr- front, front row, uh, front right. Uh, center, yeah, front, front right of stage <laughs> taking notes. And like, once again, to each their own. But Steve, Steve's an introvert though. And like, Steve is not a networker. And to be fair, Steve is also big enough now to where I don't think Steve can really walk around the halls without like getting a million pictures taken or whatnot. Um and uh I mean that's I mean Steven Russell are boys so I mean he's up there, he's taking his notes, he's doing his thing. Um but like I always love it when people are like, is it worth it to for a thousand dollars to go to Funnel Hacking Live? I'm like, yes, yes, it is. It's it's worth it just for the connection. I mean I closed 20, let's see, three six eighteen, twenty-four, 24 26,000. 26, I closed twenty six thousand dollars in deals at Funnel Hacking Live. Okay. Like where else can you go and hang out and have a party and have a blast and get to see Tony Robbins and Russell and hang out and
1: close that much in deals. Like it just doesn't exist. And at the end of the day, like we are like the online marketers, like, look at this. I'm like in the office alone. It's like you need people. Yeah. Even if you're an introvert. Yeah. You need people. And these are the people that are going to be there to support you that are going to be there to be a resource for you when things don't work out. And now, if I have an issue scaling from where I'm at now, like three hundred thousand dollars a month to a million a month, I connected with at least five people that were at that level that I can personally reach out to on Facebook and ask them a question, yep. and they would not only know who I am but would also be willing to help me. Yeah. Well, that's- isn't that's not worth a thousand dollars? If that's not worth a thousand dollars, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Getting
1: direct access to someone that's doing over ten million dollars a year. Yeah, who's the guy that won?
0: There was two people that won the hundred million dollar a year award, and one of them, uh, I I don't even know how to pronounce his name.
1: Yeah, Ariel. Like the dude. And guess what? I went up and talked to him. That's the power of funnel hacking. Lives you
0: can chill in
1: there. Yeah, in the lobby. Like, I don't know if you know what he does, but I was like, all right, Ariel. Like, what do you do, man? (laughs) And uh, he was like, well, we sell to the government. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, Argentina is my client. And I'm like, the country. Was like, <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs> and then he was like, and we got Chile and Colombia coming on board too. <laughs> I'm like, it's insane. <laughs>
0: I, when I asked him what he did, uh, his resp- <laughs> I said, I said, dude, you made a hundred million because he came up to me funny story. I went up to him or I, mean, I was walking by and I saw him on stage. Keep in mind, I had no idea who this dude was before final Hacking live. He gets up on stage. I see he's made a hundred million dollars and I immediately like Facebook him. Right. And we're friends on Facebook. I was like, "Oh, that's lit. And so, um, I'm walking and he comes up to me and he's like, Josh, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. Can we get a picture? And I was like, the heck, why are you asking for a picture with me, dude? Like I should be getting a picture with you. You made a hundred million bucks. So he get a picture and I was like, all right, dude, you got to tell me what do you do? And his response was absolutely nothing. <laughs> And I'm like, really? I'm like, what? He's like, dude, my team does it all. And that's the key to making a hundred million dollars.
1: And I was like, the, honestly, man, like mm. what you notice. And I, th- I actually saw someone post something like this in the Facebook group for ClickFunnels, And it just resonated so hardcore. The people that are doing everything themselves that are stressed out are the ones that are barely scraping by. Yeah. yeah. And as you can see the people on stage that are doing The two comma club X, the fifty million, the seventy five million, the hundred million. The farther up the ladder you go, the more removed these people are, because they understand the power of leverage. Yeah, and they understand the power of using other people's time. So, if you were to actually ask me, hey Joel, how do you make the most out of Funnel Hacking Live and absorb all the information? What I should have done is brought my team and told them to go listen to everything and figure out a way to implement one thing from every single speaker into our business. Yeah, no kidding. Because there's absolutely no way that you could go and sit through every single speaker and implement everything. Right. Your brain cannot computate that. Yeah. But guess what would happen if you had 10 people there learning on your behalf. Yeah.
0: And they each learned the thing that they were good at. They were focused on the thing that they were doing. Yeah. So leverage, that's the key leverage. to
1: scaling. Do you see Jeff Bezos writing code now for Amazon?
0: <laughs> <laughs> why do people have such a hard time with that though, bro? Like, cause, okay, so l- l- let me tell you this. My big issue was, I was like, nobody can do it as good as I can. Why, do, why do some people have such a hard time letting
1: go? Okay. That's a great question. Um, I would say that they don't trust themselves and therefore they can't trust others. I know that's pretty deep, Mm. but uh, if you really trusted your process, your strategy, your vision, your decision-making, you would have no problem letting go and passing it off to someone else. Mm. And I think that lack of trust in yourself and your own abilities to succeed and execute Make you want to just grab everything and take full control. I think that's one thing. And uh, over time, for example, like and like I'm a perfect example here because when I started my agency, I was it was extremely difficult for me to let go. It was extremely difficult for me to delegate, and I was honestly stressed out all the time. Yeah, and I was burnt out. Like I remember days where I would wake up like 8.30 a.m., get breakfast then go up to my home office and work till I went to sleep. Yep,
0: yep, oh, I've been there.
1: Yeah, and um, I think it wasn't until I just started to trust myself and the process and what we were building and that everything was going to be okay if I let go Yeah, that I started to actually delegate and allow myself to leverage the power of leverage. Yeah.
0: and One of the interesting things about this, I was talking to Brad um, Brad Gibb about this. Uh, he called me like, I don't know, like two or three days ago. And um, I was like, how are you dude? He's like, dude, I'm doing all right. How are you? I was like, I'm great. And uh, he said, I just went through the most painstaking day ever. And I was like, oh boy, what happened? He's like, we sat down with our
1: team and he's like, he was hey, like what? Joel DM'd me like yeah. eight times. That's why it was so painstaking. Cause Joel, Yo, Brad, if you're listening right now, I'm trying to get a hold of you, man. I want to give you
0: money. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll connect you guys. I I know how to get a hold of Brad. Um, I talk to him. I talk to him all the time. Um, And I saw your message. Dude, I'm so bad at Facebook messages. It's so terrible. Uh, So is Brad. Uh, Voxer, Voxer, Voxer. That's how you get a hold of me. But uh, I was talking to him and he said he just went through with his team and they dumbed down all of their processes and they're going through and because they want to be able to bring in more coaches. They're, we're, they're scaling fast, right? They won the $10 million a year award and now they're scaling more and more. And so he's like, we're having to bring on coaches. And he's like, we don't have time to train them. And so he's like, what we're doing is we're literally going down and we're ha- they had somebody come in and question, literally, they would walk them through the process and they questioned every single step. So they're like, oh, why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to do that? Oh, why is that one there? Oh, why, how would you do this? How would-? And he's like, The whole entire day and we got like three hours worth of work done even though we were at it the entire day and i was like that sounds painful he's like yeah but when it's all said and done he's like now we're gonna have the system and process down in such a way that i can remove myself from it and he's like and most people and he said this and like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, this is the problem with most people. He's like, most people aren't willing to go through that painstaking process of figuring out all the holes in their thing, because they think that they're the only ones that would ever be able to figure it out and understand it. And he's like, when I just finally went and did it, he's like, it's going to be so freaking good when it's all said and done. And I was like, boom, right then and there, that's how you go and are able to remove yourself from
1: the process. But most people just aren't willing to do the work. Definitely. Like, for example, let's say that I hire an account manager Right. Yeah. And they cost me $3,000 to $5,000 a month. Yeah. Most people are freaking out being like, oh my God, that's a huge amount of money. Um, I can't delegate that. But if you trusted in your ability to close more deals because you outsourced that task and now freed your time, yeah. Then you would be totally willing to hire an account manager and go into the red, maybe even so, because you would eventually have the time to go and sell more. Yeah, But I think that lack of trusting in yourself and what you're doing is what ultimately prevents you deep down psychologically. Yeah. So for example, it's like right now we're scaling new agencies and we're building the entire team and delegating it all out right from the start. We have an account manager, we have a marketing manager, we have a closer and we have one VA. Mm. And for- we're essentially... to to do everything or to to do this new agency? Every time we're essentially launching, our goal is to launch a new agency every 120 days, Mm, every four months. And we're going to obviously oversee that team, but they're going to be doing the day to day. Now, a lot of people would have a very hard time letting go of all those things because what if it doesn't work? Now they're in the red. Now it's like, Oh my God! I've lost a lot of money, which ultimately comes down to not trusting yourself and what you're doing, and, and trusting the process. Yeah. But if you truly trusted the, the power of what you're building, then you would have no problem going in going into the red, hiring these people, knowing that in sixty or ninety days it's going to turn into a profitable cash cow.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. Did I explain myself well there?
0: Yes. I, and I and I think that the next step of this conversation is we got to talk about what you do, right? So like I, the pitch of this was Joel Agency is an agency, or Joel Joel Agency. Joel Kaplan is an agency owner. Um, tell us what you do though, because you kill it, dude. Like you are insane when it comes to this. Give us give us a little bit of the backstory of what you do, who you are, and like kind of your uh, skills and expertise. Because one of the things that I really like about you is you have extreme focus in a certain area, but then like once you got to that point, like you're not against doing multiple things. You're against doing multiple things at once. And it it was so interesting to see how like you pivoted and you're like, okay, we built this up and then we went to here and we built this one up and now we're doing this. So like explain to people
1: what you do, how you do it and like what makes you so special with, with you. Great question. So at the core of everything, my mission is to make money and make a difference. I believe that if we increase I financial uh, status, we're going to have more leverage to make a difference and make an impact in this world. At the end of the day, that's what I'm all about. How do I do that? The way I do that is, number one, I run a seven-figure agency. It's called Atlas Digital. We do about $250,000 a month, not including ad spend. So if you include ad spend, it's probably more like $350,000 a month. And I'm also launching new agencies. And the reason why I'm launching new agencies is because we have created the blueprint to essentially scale an agency to seven figures and then automate it and remove ourselves from the process. Now, that was the whole vision for the past three years. And about six to 10, I'd say six to 12 months ago, I started getting very frustrated with the coaching industry. And I was tired of seeing all these agency owners that built an agency to like $10,000 a month that now we're creating courses and coaching people and how to do the same. And I remember looking at them and being like, this is not ethical. Isn't that because the worst? I,
0: I have an agency doing it, yeah.
1: 25 times as much that I'm still currently running where I don't even have to show up. And these people are giving out the wrong advice. So then I decided that I have the power to really make a dent in the coaching space and really make a difference in people's lives. So I started a coaching program called seven figure agency, where we help people start and scale agencies to seven figures using the exact same blueprint that we use to scale our own agencies. And Mm -hmm. I'd say the most important piece of this entire thing is number one, I practice, I'm currently practicing what I'm teaching. Yeah. So all, in, all the information that I share with my students is the most up-to-date. It is not what worked last week. It is not what worked yesterday. It's what's working today.
0: Yeah, and that's huge. Number
1: two, now that I have a seven-figure Task Cow that's automated, I can really think long-term about my students and go above and beyond to help them. So I'd say those, I mean, that's pretty much what I do. I, I start and scale agencies and I teach people how to do the same thing. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. How did you get
0: started in this though? Because I, I know a little bit of your backstory. And for those of you that have listened to the, the first episode that we did together, we talked about this a little bit, but like for those people that are out there, it's how, how old are you? 27. So you're 27. You're doing $250,000 a month. I don't
1: know why I want to say 28. Like, like someone at Funnel Hacking Live was like, how old are you? I kept saying 28. I was like, wait, no. And when's your birthday? Uh, May 11th, 1992.
0: I'm 27. All right. So, so May 11th, you'll be 28. I just turned 26. Okay. So, um, for those people that are out there that have like been struggling at this or that are still trying to figure out like, man, is this even possible for me? Where did you start? Like, how did you get into this?
1: Yeah, I think we all have this calling, right? That there's something bigger and better out there when we're working at our nine to fives, and it's like this spirit that's like telling you, hey, if you don't go out there and try to build your own thing and build your own dreams, like you're going to have a regret for the rest of your lives. And that's, I don't know if you've experienced that feeling if you ever worked a nine to five, but I definitely had that feeling. What, were you, what were you doing? Uh, what was your nine to five before this? It was a marketing job. Okay. It was a marketing job. And um, like I kept thinking to myself every day, like, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur. And actually, a few years back, I had started another company. But once I graduated college, I did go to school, even though I don't really believe in the education system. Um, But I did go to college, and my parents pretty much begged me to get a job. Hmm. They were like, please, at least work for two years before you do this entrepreneurship thing. Give it at least two years, get some experience. And I'm actually really grateful That they did because it gave me a different perspective. But those two years were very difficult. I was a very, um, I I, I rebelled a lot at work. I always kind of did my own thing. I ignored what my uh, peers told me to do. And I really struggled because I knew I was meant for something bigger. I knew I was meant for something greater. And I knew that if I didn't take the leap and quit my nine to five and go for it, I would regret it for the rest of my life. Mm. And I always had, you know, side hustles here and there. I was doing some marketing gigs. I was doing some consulting. At some point I started an e-commerce shop. And then I went to a meetup, and I met this, uh, this weird guy named Marcos, who ended up being my business partner. And we were at the meetup, and I'm a very confident guy. I do have a bit of an ego. And the guy at the meetup, it was a marketing meetup, had no idea what he was talking about. He had no idea what he was talking about. Marcos or the other guy? No, no, the guy that was running the meetup. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to lie, like, I was an asshole. Like, I called him out hardcore. And I was like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. You should not be running this meetup. And then Marcos was like, oh, I like that guy pointing to me. It's like, this guy knows what he's talking about because he's calling this guy out. In front of all these people at a meetup. Again, I'm not. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not proud of that behavior, but right, it right. is what it is. I right. was much younger. I was probably a bit insecure at that time about where I was at and what I was capable of. But then Marcos was like, "Yo, Joel, let's uh, let's go get some coffee." And then we started talking. We started talking. Uh, then eventually we met up a few times, and I think the fourth time we met, he was like, "Yo." I have, I I just landed like three new clients last week and Mm -hmm. it pissed me off so much. I was like, how the hell is this? He was like 21, this 21 year old landing clients when he knows nothing about marketing. Cause Marcos also didn't know anything about marketing, which is why he wanted to bring me on board. Right. Right. And he was like, yo, uh, I was like, how the hell does this, is this guy landing clients right he, does know, he doesn't know anything about marketing. He's worse than the guy at the meetup. you know. And uh, it like drove me nuts inside. And I think it lit a fire and it made me really want to be a part of it. So then eventually I was like, all right, Marcos, if, I, if we hit 10K a month, I quit my job and come and do this thing with you. And he was like, all right, sweet. I'd say not even two weeks later, We hit 10 K a month. It was like some miracle that like came down and just everything lined up perfectly. We hit 10 K a month. And you'd think that, uh, it just took off from here. It didn't, there was some crazy down periods which I'll get to, but I was like, all right, well we hit 10 K a month. I'm going to go ahead and quit my job. So I went into work the next day, put in my two weeks notice, quit my job quit my job. Two weeks later, we're back down to $3,000 a month. We lost like most of the clients. So now I'm freaking out. I lost my job. <laughs> I love my job. But okay. But, but, but okay. So let, let me stop you right there. You are,
0: you quit your job. You're feeling pretty confident, obviously, because woohoo, $10,000 uh, a month, right? Which we know now it ain't squat, especially for two people. You got taxes in there. You got costs in there. I mean, like 10,000 isn't a whole lot of money. Now you're back down to 3000 a month. Are you like, oh my gosh, I got to go get a job again? Or are you like, I'm committed to figuring this out?
1: Not yet. I I I had not reached the point where I was like, I need to get a job. Okay. Um, We stuck it out, I'd say for like 90 days, and it just was not clicking. Like for three months, it was not clicking. It was not clicking. It was not clicking. And this is where eventually I got to the point And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, I was so stressed out and I was so defeated that I went ahead and filled out a job application. Oh, wow. So you did get to that point. I eventually did. Not right. Not at the 3K mark. Once we had 3K, I was like, okay, well, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) We just dropped from 10K to 3K. We lost like three clients just like that. Um, They didn't re-up the following month and uh, I was freaking out. And, um, I decided, you know what, we're going to stick through this, but I'd say hmm. 90 days later, things did not, had not clicked and things had not evolved. And I remember calling my dad and being like, dad, should I fill out a job application? And he was like, well, fill it out, go take, take the interview, but continue to write it out. He said, You can definitely fill out the job application, but continue to write it out. And I filled out the job application. I even submitted a personalized video Hmm. to stand out because I was desperate. I was very stressed out. I was very insecure. I did not believe in myself at that point in time. And luckily they turned me down. Hmm. I am so grateful. It was like a sign from above. I am so grateful that they turned me down. I remember calling my dad back and saying hey there they they said no he said okay joel write it out for just another month and in that month we took off
0: wow and so what cha- what changed in that month that allowed you to go and take that's off?
1: a that's a great question uh we definitely committed to going to bni and uh like stepping our game up and by taking off i mean like we got to like 15k a month right right six or seven clients i'm not we were we didn't get to 250 right but but
0: but you started that trajectory of like okay now things are starting to click now i understand okay we gotta do this we gotta do this and you started having momentum in the right direction to where you started believing in yourself again
1: we could we committed hardcore to bni i started going to bni Mm -hmm. so now it wasn't only marcos going it was also me going so we doubled our input in terms of going to a uh, and, and and BNI is? Uh, great question. Uh, this is why you're here to help clarify. <laughs> Cause I'm, these are the things that I don't think to clarify. Right. That's uh, why I'm here to ask you questions. <laughs> BNI is a local networking group where you meet with other business owners in your area. Okay. And you essentially, it's a referral network. They refer business to you. You refer business to them. You land a few of them as clients; they land you as a client. So, by having me and Marcos go, we doubled our uh, our presence because we went to two separate groups. I think I landed like three or four clients that in that one month. He landed like three or four clients, and uh, that's I mean that's kind of what took us to that next little level. Um, but I think the the reason why I share this story, Josh, is because. A lot of people look at me now and they think maybe I have some unique advantage. Maybe I have some unique ability, but the reality is like, I, I was in a state where I almost quit. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I'm, now I have a seven figure business that's fully automated and I almost gave up on that.
0: Yeah. Well, you're and a multi seven figure at this point. Yeah. Multi seven figure. And
1: I have another seven figure business. So not just right. one, but two. <laughs> And I almost gave up on that, and it just makes me wonder, like, what is possible if we just keep going and push through that pain and push through those challenges. What What do you think, though? Is the the
0: like, cause like something clicked, right? And okay, yeah, it was you landed a client, or I mean, like, yes, there's the the outward thing Maybe. that clicked, right? But like there. I feel like there's a time that in, in every success story's journey, right, where something goes and clicks inside of them, inside of you that goes, okay, like this is the thing that ultimately like shifted for me. And like, I think that for some people, you do need to focus on the exterior of like, hey, just get that first client or hey, just do that. But I think for most people, especially the people that have been in the game for a while, there's a mental shift that happens. And if we can figure out what that mental shift is, then everything else kind of falls into place. from that. What do you think that mental shift is? Obviously, there's a lot of factors.
1: Yeah. But, you know, and I don't want to say it's this one thing. Right, right. But I, like, looking back, I remember when I didn't land the job, I told myself, okay, I'm going to go all in. And, like, Tony Robbins talks about burning the ship's Mm. going all in on your mission, no matter what. I think that mental shift happened in some way, shape, or form.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: And I think when we just started the agency, I was still kind of in and out. Should I do this? Should I not do this? The fact that I was thinking about applying for a job and that was in my subconscious shows you that I wasn't all in. Yeah, for sure. And I think once I didn't get the job, and I remember speaking with my dad. And he said, just ride it out for another four weeks. That's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all in no matter what. Yeah. Okay. Or at least started moving in that direction. I'm sure it was not like an overnight thing, like going from someone that's not as confident, insecure to just all of a sudden, yeah, I'm all in. Rah, rah, rah. I don't think it was overnight, but I do think there was a shift in that direction that really turned the page for me.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. I was watching um, an interview on Impact Theory one time with um, uh, John Maxwell, John C. Maxwell, I mean, expert in leadership. I mean, probably the, the top leadership coach in the world. And um, he was sharing like his story about how uh, actually I think the episode just came out about how he got into leadership. And they said, if you study, if you studied leadership or if you study any subject for one hour a day, every single day in five years, you would become an expert at it. Right. And so he started going through and he said about two and a half years into studying it, you know, he kept asking himself the question like, all right, like, when am I going to be a great leader? When am I going to be a great leader? When am I going to be a great leader? And eventually he started asking himself the question of like, okay, wow, like how far can I go with this, right? And there was this mental shift. And he said, that's the day that everything changed for me because he changed the target. He changed the goal, right? He changed what it was after. And I think that a lot of times in the agency world or in the entrepreneurship world or whatever, it's, you know, we can tell ourselves like, when am I gonna get to 10K? When am I gonna get to 10K? When am I gonna get to 10K? And we, we struggle because we're so distraught of like, ah man, we think it should happen now or we think we should do this. But if you change the target, if you change what you're going after and you make this mental decision to say, okay, not when can I get to 10 K, it's like, how am I going to get to 10 K, right? And 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 or, you know, whatever that question shift is and reset the target and reset the goal to not be when when the when the ultimate goal is $10,000 rather than the immediate goal is $10,000, I think those are two very key different things. Like the ultimate goal has to be bigger than that. That that 10K mark or whatever that is just needs
1: to be a step. You know what I mean? A 100% and also just to add to that, I think evolving as a human being. And I think we talked yeah. about this on the last episode. If you want to be a seven-figure entrepreneur, yeah. you have to be a seven-figure human being. Yeah, There's a reason why Tony Robbins... Has all these like $50 million companies. Yeah. Because as a human being, he has evolved to be able to earn the right to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the shifts, like every single shift in my agency, yes, there were some technical things that we changed. And yes, there's a blueprint. And, and yes, all that st- external stuff is out there. But I think also I truly leveled up as a human being, because the person I am today looks absolutely nothing like the person that started the agency almost three years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. You would before, if you told me that I had to delegate something, I would freak out and get upset and get mad at you. Now, if you tell me that I have to do something, I freak (laughs) out and get mad at you. That's a
0: fun. (laughs) That's a fundamentally different shift right there. And I think that you know, for those of you that have never, or for the people out there that have never delegated something before and understand the power of that, it's actually a really good thing because, like, it's not that you're lazy. It's not that you don't aren't willing to do the work because you are. It's the fact that, like, I think, and and I'd love for you to speak on this a little bit more. But like, you're actually doing the business and your clients and everybody else a disservice by doing things that you you shouldn't be focusing on because you've got to be focusing on the thing that's ultimately going to make your business and and service best. And there's someone that does something every single day. And if you take that away from them, you're going to script the system. You're going to script the process. You're going to script the results. Like you've got to follow through on
1: things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to determine your highest value task. And that thing evolves over time, right? Your highest value task when you're just starting out is most likely sales. When you run a seven figure business, my highest value task could literally be reading books and thinking about the future. Yeah. yeah. That may possibly me be my highest value task. Yep. So if you really want to create the best product, the best service for your clients and serve them at the highest level possible, you need to really understand what your highest value task is and delegate everything else. Yeah. That's what I believe. And obviously it's not perfect, but in Every little place where I can do that, I definitely do it. For example, right now, I want to really blow up my Facebook group and create more content. I'm hiring someone just to manage that entire process. Because I know for a fact that even having me reach out to people to schedule the interviews and all that stuff is not the highest value thing that I can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting that you say that too. I was talking to Dan Henry at Funnel Hacking Live and um, we're talking about like, you know, his processes and stuff like that. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I was sitting on a call one time. And he said, I started asking people for $50,000 rather than $30,000. Right. And he's like, that was, all, that was the only shift. One day I was just sick and tired of selling stuff for $30,000. So I got on the phone and I was like, it's $50,000 to join my whatever now or whatever. And he goes through, me, he's like, that was a good week. We punched in an extra. I think he said he was like actually extra hundred grand or something that week that they put into it. And then at the end of that, now keep in mind, this dude just told me that the, because he was the one sitting on those calls and doing it, that they punched in an extra hundred thousand of what they would have done over that, right? Or over the normal. And then he goes, but honestly, dude, I don't have time to sit on my own sales calls. He's like, it's a waste of time for me. I need to be putting my time elsewhere. And I was like, I agree. Like, like I hear that and I go, and, but it hit me because I was like,
1: that just shows you there's the power Sorry. of leverage. You just get me so excited, Josh. Okay, go, go for it, go for it. <laughs> I feel like this yeah, happened yeah. last time. Um, there's been people that want to join my coaching program where I know I can easily take a 10-minute call and enroll them and not have to pay out $1,500 commissions to my sales guy. But that's not the best use of my time. Yeah, I know that if I stick to a habit where I'm jumping in, Not only am I not freeing myself over time to spend all of my energy on my highest value task, I'm also telling my team that I don't believe in them and that I don't trust them to do it without me. Yep. Yep. And that is extremely dangerous.
0: Yep. I think, um, do you know Taylor Welch? Yeah. Okay. So I was talking to him and uh, he's like, one of the biggest things that people fail to do is they fail to look at the second and third and fourth orders of consequences of their actions. And he's like, everybody goes and looks at the first order. And so it's like, you know, he used the example of, you know, oh, if I eat this cookie or if, you know, if I don't work out today, that's not a big deal, right? But you don't look at the second, third, and fourth one. But then he's like, where people miss it even more is when the action that they take, they think is a good thing. For example, what you're saying right there of... What the heck? I could just jump in and take this call. I know for sure I would close it. I'd save myself 1500 bucks, and I could either pay myself that commission or rather than you know, 10, or, you know two hours on a call or an hour on a call, it would only take me 10 minutes. That seems like a good use of my time. And in the first order of consequences of your actions, it looks good. And it may be even the second order of consequences, but what you said, the third, the fourth, the habits that you're creating, the fact that you're allowing yourself to even think about jumping into those calls means that your mind is not on a state of scaling or on growth or doing what it is that you need to do. And keep in mind, like at the beginning, when you're just starting out with your business, if that's where you need to be, great. But when you, this minute, and, and I'm curious, I, I'm actually really, really curious about this for you when it comes to what you teach people to do um, in the scaling process. The minute that you're, you have the cash flow that you need and that you can remove yourself from the process and you're not is the minute that you start hurting yourself. So like, how do you teach people? Like, at what point should they be hiring a salesperson? At what
1: point should they be scaling? If you have no capital to invest, sorry, you're gonna have to put in the work and do it yourself, yep. unfortunately. Yep. If you have the capital to invest, you have to treat your business like a real estate investment where you put in the team, you put in the infrastructure, you delegate everything out, even if that means going into the red for just a little bit so that in a few months, you walk away with a profitable business that doesn't rely on. you. So if you have the capital to invest, you build the entire machine to function without you. And you only focus on the things that are the highest value to the organization. So... so at what point do you consider making the switch
0: over? Like, I'm, let's say I'm broke, right? I'm a new agency owner and I've got three grand in my bank account, right? I have no money. So I'm going to go and I'm going to set up my LLC and I'm going to, you know, go out and get my first client or whatever. At what point do I make the switch and start hiring another other people?
1: My, my whole philosophy is as soon as you have $500 a month to spend, you need to hire a virtual assistant. That's your very first hire. If you're broke, you don't have money. As soon as you have $500 a month, again, if you, yeah, $500 a month, again, if you trust in yourself and in your ability to generate more business by delegating things out, then I would put all that money into a virtual assistant. This virtual assistant is going to be in charge of prospecting and doing all of the manual labor behind reaching out to potential businesses. That's your very first hire. As soon as you scale up to, I'd say like, 10K a month, and you have a consistent way of generating appointments, then if you're really good at sales, you need to hire an account manager ASAP. Mm. If you're not good at sales, you want to hire a closer. Then as soon as you get overwhelmed with client management, the moment that happens, then you hire an account manager if you haven't already. And then you start bringing in VAs on an as needed basis to do fulfillment. How many? That's Sorry, go ahead. If you had capital, the way that we build agency teams is we start a brand new agency. We just launched a new agency, for example, three days ago. We already are paying an account manager, we're already paying a closer, we're already paying uh, a virtual assistant, we're already paying a marketing manager before it even launched.
0: Hmm. If you you have capital, because you have capital,
1: and it's at about Like I'd say with, without ad spend, that costs us about $12,000 a month, maybe $10,000 a month, uh, with ad spend. And by ad spend, I mean, ad spend to get us clients. We're spending about 25 grand a month, uh, in that business. Those are just the expenses. So we need about 15 to 20 clients to break even. And then anything after that is pure profit. But we know because we trust in our abilities that we can get to 50 clients within 90 days. Now we have something that after expenses is already profiting us $20,000 a month, not doing anything ourselves.
0: Yeah. How many How many clients can typically uh,
1: an account manager handle? 100. Really? That many? If you have good systems in place and uh, if all they do is account management, then 100. The problem is that Most agencies hire an account manager to do more things than just client communication. Mm. Yeah. And client relationship. So our account managers are only in charge of a few things onboarding calls. So they, they get on a call with every new client, they onboard them. They have, they make sure everything is good to go. They have everything they need to succeed. They do check in calls and they do client communication. So emails, support tickets, all that stuff but that's the only thing they do. Interesting. How often are you checking in with your clients? Once a month uh, mandatory
0: check-in and then on an as needed basis. Can, can the client just schedule a call with the account manager whenever? Whenever they want. I like that a lot. That is super, because most businesses are, I mean, it's just not coaching, it's client work, right? So it's not like they're gonna be calling them every day or every week or whatever. They're just gonna be checking in as needed. Depends on the client. Huh?
1: Depends on the client. Well, you know? right,
0: right. The, the ideal client at least. Um, how are you doing prospecting?
1: I mean, I know you have your VA do it, but is that through Facebook ads? Or are you doing cold outreach? Like, what are you doing? That's a great question. It depends if you have money or if you don't have money to invest. Again, there's there's, you, there's two ways to build an agency. If you have capital, and if you're just starting out and you don't have capital to invest, if you have capital to invest, the way we grow agencies, this is, this is our, our secret three ways to land. Like we we're probably landing like last month we got thirty seven new clients, wow, which is absolutely insane. That's congratulations, more than a, bro. Yeah, dude, that's that's more than a client a day. That's, that's insane. Unbelievable.
0: It really is, man. And what do you what, just real quick? What do you charge your clients? Was it like fifteen hundred a month? Two thousand five hundred. Two thousand five hundred a month. Okay, two thousand five hundred a month. And it's it, lead generation.
1: Lead gen, yeah. E-gen, okay. And um, our our big three. If you have money to invest, it's paid ads. So we run ads to get clients for ourselves. Uh, Number two, going to events, like conferences, selling at a booth. We do that like once per quarter just because it gives you a really nice client injection. Yeah, I bet, yeah. And then referrals. We have a top secret referral program that like spits out new clients like crazy. For example, we did a referral contest in December and one guy referred, I think like over 50 people over email. It's just, it's nuts. Um, so those are the big three. If you have capital to invest, if you don't have capital to invest, I recommend picking five, uh, channels for prospecting where your VA is going to reach out on your behalf. Hmm. It could be cold email, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook page DMs, Instagram page DMs, and just friending people in your niche on Facebook and sending them a DM mm. once they accept your friend request. Mm. And your VA is doing this on your behalf every single day. And that's why your first hire needs to be a virtual assistant for prospecting because they would be in charge of those five things every single day. Mm. Now, this is all outbound. So it's tougher. It's not, the the lead will never be as warm as if they come to you through a referral or through an ad or at an event, but if you don't have money, that is going to be the fastest way to plant a ton of seeds and have those seeds turn into, uh, clients. Yeah. yeah.
0: What's, what's your, uh, average cost to acquire a customer or acquire a client on, on paid
1: ads? Like 900 bucks. Really? That's not terrible at all. That's super good. We also are in like heavy, let's dominate and overspend everyone just so that we can take control of the market essentially. I mean, that's what Russell Brunson
0: talks about, man. I mean, he he has said what a million times, if I can outspend my, if I can outspend to acquire a customer,
1: I'll win every time. And like now we have momentum that's only possible through spending that much. Like now people see us and they're like, oh, it's Atlas or oh, like I've seen you guys for forever. Yeah. Yeah. it creates a psychological shift. With and, authority.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And a, Yeah. Authority. That's what it is. And, uh, I, I would say it could definitely be lower, hmm. but we don't care. Like we're spending a ton of like brand awareness, retargeting ads just to be everywhere at all places at all times.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, honestly, like who cares? I mean, 2,500 bucks a month, $900 for a client. I mean, you're, you're profitable
1: month one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've had clients stay up to th- like we've had clients stay from the beginning, like up to three years now. So, wow,
0: that's awesome. That means you're providing a good service. What yeah. what, do you, what do you think is the biggest struggle for people in, in the agency
1: space for keeping clients? It's a great question. Uh, I believe that retention is not a matter of results. It's a matter of psychology. Interesting. So here, actually, let me pull up my retention formula. I have it written down. Uh, where is it? I could actually break it down for you guys. Um, okay. Uh, number one, focus the relationship above all else. I think a lot of people get a client like, oh, I'm going to send them leads or book appointments for them. Yeah. And they forget about the relationship. Mm. I have clients that even up until this day, even though I have removed myself from the agency and I don't have to touch a thing, I still maintain a solid, solid relationship because I know that I was their first touch point when they joined us over two years ago Yeah, and I would be an asshole if I just ghosted them. Yeah. So the very first uh, pillar to retention is relationships. Number two, flawless onboarding. Our very first month has to be perfect. It absolutely has to be perfect. We cannot screw up the first 30 days. Yeah, that's huge. It is, we make it very clear to our account managers. I don't care if you screw up three months in. I don't care if there's a little technical error. I want the first month, that first impression to be flawless. And I think a lot of people don't have a flawless onboarding process. They send out this Google form. It's like, not, it's a little awkward. It's not clear. Yeah. It's confused. By the time the client's confused, you've already lost it. They're already doubting you. Yeah. You started the campaign yeah yeah so flawless onboarding uh number three over communication we believe in always being one step ahead so for example let's say you lose your entire business manager which has happened to us instead of just pretending like nothing happened which a lot of people do and they're like oh i'm just gonna wait here like scared nervous and see if anyone reaches out to me instead of doing that we take a proactive approach And we'll reach out to every single client and say, hey, we're having technical issues. We are on top of it. We're going to be sending you updates. If you need anything at all, just email us at our support email. And we're going to credit you for every single day that the ads are stopped. And instead of them freaking out and being upset with us for this entire shit show, they're actually extremely grateful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: it helps us build trust. So over-communication, always being one step ahead. And I can go a little faster through these setting great expectations. I am like super, super, super strict on setting great expectations. Yeah. We make our clients sign an expectations agreement. That's huge. That's huge. And I think that's super
0: important. And because, so I, I deal with a lot of like high ticket client type stuff. And, um, a lot of people automatically assume that because they pay a lot of money that they get more access to you or they can call you whenever you want or whatnot. Like I like almost try to disqualify my people like during those first that, well, during the sales call and the first week, like I'll, Anytime time where they even just step over the line just a little bit, I, I set I go. Hey, this was the expectation, this was the agreement, and I you know we over deliver obviously and, and make sure that they're happy and satisfied. But having clear expectations and agreements of how communication is going to go and what they can expect, just and, and and sticking to those, I think it's almost I think it's almost just as hard for us as business owners to stick to strict expectations, that as it is for the the person to get used to that. But once that's there, I feel like there's this beautiful relationship of like, oh, no, that's not what I paid him for or her for. Like, this is what I'm going to expect. And then if I need more than that, I expect to have to pay more.
1: And I think like, for example, a lot of lead gen agencies are like, oh, my clients don't follow up with the leads. My clients don't follow up with the leads. My clients don't follow up with the leads. And then they start to blame me. And this is why they leave. Well, we have our clients sign an agreement where they check off a box saying that they're going to follow up 10 times before giving up on a lead. That's awesome. And then they sign it. It's in a docu sign. <laughs> so it's like, let's say that you then check on their spreadsheet and you realize, Oh my God, they're not, they're only following up one time. Then I could say, look, Dr. John, you signed the agreement. You know, you know what you need to do in order to succeed. That's crazy. That's awesome. So setting great expectations. Um, I don't know if you want me to keep going through this. We can or we yes, yeah, just... yeah, no, we can do a couple more. Yeah, uh, let's see. Always having something new. Again, we want we want to keep these people excited. This is a long term relationship. They did not sign up for one thing that they just get and keep paying you for the next five years. You you need to psychologically get them excited. Like that's just how we are as human beings. Yeah, and this is why I say all the time. This is actually something that our COO came up with, but now I'm stealing it. And she says, retention is not a matter of results. It's a matter of psychology. I've had clients leave me that got a 12X return. It's crazy. They made they made 12. They put in $1, they got 12 back and they still left. I've also had clients that are barely making it work and they stick for a long time because they know that this has massive potential for them. So, of course, results matter and you have to deliver a great product and service, but it's a matter of psychology at the end of the day. So, always having something new. And then I'd, I'd say the, the next, I'll, I'll just wrap up with two more. Yeah, yeah, Always innovating your product, adding more value, having the best product or service in the world. Everyone talks about some magic pill to retention. You know what? The magic pill is just being better. Yeah. Yep. And I heard that. For a long time, marketers were complaining that their clients couldn't close the leads. And I remember having a conversation with Marcos, my business partner. We were like, yo, this is a massive opportunity because everyone else is complaining about this. But if we can solve that issue for clients and help them close the leads, then we're going to have a better product and service than everyone else. Mm. So just always, always, always innovating your product and service and figuring out ways to add more value and taking every single complaint, issue, error, lack of results, and using that as data to make your product and service even stronger. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Man, that's, their, that's,
0: that's fire, dude.
1: Yeah, so th- this is all a presentation that I make my account managers go through. Any new account manager has to sit through this. That, that's awesome. They just hear me yell for an hour. What What would you say is your biggest piece of advice
0: for somebody in the agency space? Like they're just getting started or let, no? let's say, let's say they're at, let's say they've had some success. Let's say they're 10,000 bucks a month, right? They've got three, four clients, maybe five, um, they're struggling with retention maybe. Um, but they can, they, they're at that $10,000 ish hump and they want to start scaling. They want to go to twenty, thirty, fifty thousand, hundred thousand 50,000, hundred thousand dollars a month. What's your number one piece of advice for them?
1: It's a great question. I think once you get to that point, you start to want to fill up your brain with more information mm. and be extremely proactive when in that moment, you still can't afford to be proactive. You still have to be reactive. Hmm. So for example, I had a student come to me just the other day and he's worried about all these things that hey. do that do not matter right now. He's like, well, uh, and because once you get to 10K a month, you have a little bit more time. You're a little bit more confident. You almost take your foot off the pedal a little yep. bit. And you have to make sure to, Accelerate at maximum speed, continue to focus on setting and closing appointments as your number one priority. Yep. And continue to play the game from a reactive standpoint instead of a proactive standpoint. Because again, this is the level where most people are like, okay, now I have the time to redesign my logo, rebuild my website.
0: But it's do all
1: this. Yeah, do all these Hmm. things that do not matter. I've had so many students at 10K a month that come to me. And now they're like, well, don't I have to, I hired you for the systems. Isn't it time for me to build the systems? I'm like, no, if you want to build maybe one system or two systems and delegate one or two things, that's fine. But right now we still need to focus on setting and closing appointments. Like our life depends on on it. Yep. Yep.
0: I like that a lot. That's super. I like what you said about uh, they they start to try to be proactive when they can't. They still have to operate like they're reactive. And for those of you that are listening right now or watching, like, really think about that and really focus on that because there's a fundamental difference in how you operate when you're proactive versus reactive. And a lot of people think that reactive is a bad thing, but at the beginning and when you're scaling, like, when you are proactive, you I believe that you slow down um, on a lot of things. And while that's not always bad, when you're at a certain point, reactive says. I'm gonna continue to go and execute and go, 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 go and deal with problems as they arise. I'm not gonna get freaked out and try to spot problems before they're there. At some point in your business, when you're doing $100,000 a month, $200,000 a month, then you can start to afford to be proactive and you can put people in place that will allow you, they will be reactive and you will be the one that's proactive. But until you get to that point, I think it's huge to operate in that reactive state, um, which is opposite what the one I think a lot of people think.
1: I'd say $50,000 a month consistent $50,000 months in your agency, that's when you start becoming proactive. Uh, proactive. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, let me take a step back. Let me really build out the systems. Let me start to really build out the team. But until then, the biggest mistake I see is all these people doing 10, 20, or even 30K a month, they're worrying about things that haven't even happened.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I would much rather them deal with issues as they come and clear up that brain space and funnel it into focusing on setting and closing appointments. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure.
1: And not worrying about like, well, you know, I have to build the SOPs right now. I'm like, you still only have five clients. (laughs) Let's worry about the SOPs and the systems when you literally can't handle it. And again, if you don't have the capital to invest into a team up front, you have to be willing to eat crap. Yeah. And you have to be willing to suffer through the pain of scaling a seven-figure business and then automating.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Yep.
1: And I think a lot of people at 10 a month, they get like that first bit of success. And they're like, oh, I made it. Now I can focus on removing myself. Now I can focus on all these things that you haven't earned the right to focus on.
0: Yep, that's big. So, So, Dude, what's next for you? You're rich now you know because you, you make all this it's money all relative. and well, right 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 but uh i mean you're doing big things for sure you're you're well on your path to being a very successful human being very wealthy human being what's next um like what's uh what's the 3 year 5 year 10 year goal down the road from this is uh i means it's continue to scale this start more agencies is there a buyout plan do you want to I maybe mean, is it just sell and travel the world and dan henry style you know like peace out and never talk to anybody again or like what's uh
1: What's the big goal? Okay. That's a great question. Here's my vision. Within the next five years, we're going to scale 50 agencies to seven figures. They're each going to be doing about 50 K a month in profit. Any more after that is kind of unnecessary. We'd rather go horizontal and scale that up. My coaching program is going to be scaled up to eight figures. I want that to be an eight figure company. And then I'm going to take all that cash and all that leverage invested into cash flowing real estate and then create secured income for the rest of my life, which will then allow me to focus on solving massive, massive, massive problems in the education space. Mm,
0: I love this so much. I feel like we're going to work together in the future, bro. Education is my passion, dude.
1: And I've spoken to like, I actually came when I, when I, at the beginning of this interview, I talked about doing marketing. Ever since my first job, I've only worked in education technology companies. So I was very passionate about solving issues in the education space. And I actually worked for a company that created a personality test for teachers and students to better understand each other, which I loved. But the problem that I saw is that they were always running out of money. So they didn't have leverage to actually focus long-term and giving everything they've got to solving the educational problem. Mm. And that's where my mission of making money and making a difference came from because I quickly realized that if I want to tackle a massive, massive, massive problem, I need a crap ton of money. You need a lot a of a crap money. ton of leverage. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know Blake Newbar, but he oh, is- Oh, yeah, dude. Same exact vision. He actually started a, a content- company in the education space, and he realized, I'm going up against, like, a mammoth. Like, I'm going You're going, going like, it was the, the most, yeah, the most difficult,
0: probably, system in the whole world. The education and I th- system, yeah.
1: And I think, like, Tom Billio is doing it correctly. I think, uh—
0: Dude, hold on, hold on. Did you see his speech? I did not. Dude! Oh, my gosh! It was my favorite one of all fun acting Live. He gets done, and he goes, um, I always had a goal. And I don't cuss, so I'm not going to use his exact words. But he said, I I always had a goal. He's like, I was going to go. I was going to create a big, huge company. I was going to sell it for a lot of money. And then I was going to go use that money to go start a company that was going to become the next Disney. And I knew I needed a studio to do that. So I was going to go. I was going to make a bunch of money in a company. I was going to sell it. I was going to build a studio. And then I'm going to go out and and make the next Disney. And then he stands up on stage and he goes, and mother – guess what I'm doing. <laughs> and it was like the exact thing. I mean, he went he built Quest to a billion dollar company, sold it, has the studio, do an impact theory and on his way to do that next thing. And I love that when you have a vision, when you have a goal and you know what you're doing, it is incredible. It's insane what you can accomplish.
1: That's the key. And I know that the educational problem will take years. It's not, a like and by years, I mean, decades, yeah. it could take the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm not set up to be able to take care of myself first in order to focus on that long term, then I will fail. Yep. So my mission right now is in my like the next three to five years is simple. It's just to stack as much cash as possible while continuing to serve my clients and my students at the highest level possible. Then eventually go into cash flowing real estate, which will secure income for myself and my family for the rest of my life so I can go out and do big things. I love it. If you look at someone like, uh, Elon Musk, same thing. Yeah. PayPal was not solving a massive problem. It's very valuable. It wasn't solving a problem. He was truly passionate. Right. He was just securing income for himself so that he can leverage that to go out and recruit and build something that could actually solve a gigantic
0: a huge problem. problem a huge problem which he's inspiring dude like that guy's insane like for real for real joel thank you so much for coming on it's been overtime already but uh it feels like it went so fast this is incredible and um we didn't even get to go through guys we had this whole entire thing planned we were going to go through like a checklist and a sheet um from joel we'll send that out to everybody we'll use it as a little lead magnet or something for you guys to listen to the episode um but dude thank you so much for coming on here it's been a pleasure um Any last words or anything that you want to share with people about anything?
1: Floor's open, whatever I want. Floor's open, anything you want, bro. (laughs) Got a 9.97 course, buy it right now. No, just kidding. No, no, no. And there's the the pitch. (laughs) Buy it now, limited time offer expiring in 10, (laughs) 9, 8. You didn't Um, didn't even get my buy link, bro. (laughs) Let's see. Guys, if you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, at official Joel Kaplan, at official Joel Kaplan got a Facebook group called Marketing Agency Secrets. Go check that out. And uh, if you want to learn more about scaling an agency, just shoot me with a DM and uh, I'm more than happy to help out.
0: I love it. I love it. Joel, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Guys, if you want to learn how to scale an agency the right way, Joel is someone I I highly recommend and endorse. He is. I've known Joel for almost two years now. I think the first time we ever met actually was at uh, what, JR's? I think it was JR's uh, event down in Atlanta. And um, you were just like this hyped-up energy dude. And I was like, oh, this dude seems cool. And um, sure enough, I mean, look at you now. So um, he's someone that I've literally watched build this up from – going and figuring it out to now having this. And he's someone that does it the right way. It's legit, he's not hype, he's not fluff, and he's not just trying to sell you a program. I mean, he's actually going through and doing it. Like he says, he he makes most of his money through the actual agency work. So Joel, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on here, my man. Um, Guys, we'll link his stuff down below as well, either in the audio description or if it's on YouTube or Facebook, we'll put his links down below there as well. As always, hustle, hustle, God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are gonna be the ones that change the world. Next week, we'll be back. Uh, It's the weekend now, but we'll be back Monday. We have Julie Stoeyan on for round two, uh, talking about how to collectively move on as a society uh, in the world of or with post-Trump. So don't miss that, because that's going to be a great episode. We have some cool guests next week as well. We got Brad Gibb coming back on. We got Catherine Jones coming back on as well, which will be super, super fun. Joel, we'll see if we can get you to the number one most downloaded episode very soon. Thank you so much. Guys, I love you all, and I will see you very, very soon. Take it easy, fam. Peace.